Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. What is up on a Monday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Michael Borky. Thanks for stopping by on this 1st of June edition of the Rebel Report podcast. The month of May is finally behind us. I actually didn't think it was that bad of a month. It was, uh, I, I guess, amongst this coronavirus pandemic, I'll remember March is the longest month ever. Uh, April might as well not have even existed because everything just seemed the same. And then this was kind of the month where you seem to like things seem to kind of start trending more towards uh, normalcy just from strictly the COVID-19 uh, pandemic perspective. I know there's a ton of other stuff going on in the world right now that's uh, not great. But just from that perspective, uh, I didn't uh, I didn't I didn't hate May as much as the previous two months. So no, the, the it, up until the very end, uh, there there was some good positive things as far as returning to normalcy, and then. Uh, and then this weekend happened, which changed uh, a lot of things for uh, for a lot of people. And um, yeah, man, I- I'm trying to figure out how we should cover it. That's that's something that I struggled with a little bit yesterday, and it kind of felt good um, that I, I got uh, sent a message on Twitter from uh, um, from a high school football coach here in the state that said that they appreciated what I said. So I guess I, I at least for one person, I navigated it appropriately. It's just hard. Like you, you can have uh, sports shows up like I have uh, this morning and, and seen the way they've addressed it. And it's a very difficult line to toe when you're a sports show and sports people while talking about what happened this weekend and how to do it and how much you do it. It's uh, it's tough. So we went from having to navigate talking about a pandemic to at least for a day uh, having to navigate talking about what happened this weekend. It is a, a strange time to be in sports media. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know how much you wanted to get into this. I didn't even really talk about it much before we hit the record button. But I just, I don't know. I mean, I have, I have the same thoughts as most people. Like, I don't think really. I mean, have you met anyone that was not just kind of appalled by the whole George Floyd, uh, you know, death and the way he died? Like, I think it's no, general consensus there was... that it was awful. Like, it was absolutely terrible. And it, it, it was. You know, I mean, it, look, it's 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 completely obvious this has gone on for a long time. It's just with smartphones and, uh, you know, everyone kind of filming everything in today's society. It's just being captured more, which, you know, in part you're grateful for because, you know, it brings light to probably otherwise ignored cases. Just because, you know, did you see on Friday the uh, the medical examiner said that he didn't necessarily die from suffocation or ad, uh, asphyxiation or whatever? I probably didn't pronounce that right. Uh Obviously, you know, that you, you got to read a little more into that because the combination of, you know, him not being able to breathe and all of the uh, and pre-existing right. health conditions. I, I'm saying all of that to say in the past, if you don't have a cell phone video and everything else, does the does think do things go a different way? And does this even get the same attention? I would think not. And that's unfortunate. Probably but. not. And that see that medical examiner's finding doesn't really change anything for me because they they no, sat there not. for nine minutes. So and people are very few people. To to your point, it it appears as if it's like ninety nine point nine nine percent of people really understand that 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 should have never happened. Uh, it shouldn't it shouldn't have happened. Um, but that doesn't change anything for me, and I don't think it changed any changed anything for anybody else. But. Uh, 
with the exception of a small town mayor in this state. Here's so yeah, I like dear the rant, God, right? what was that guy? Uh, what an ironic name too, Hal Marx. Yeah, M A R X. Um, and I like to rant, right? So here's another one. Um, there's a guy that writes for the Athletic. He he's really good. Uh, does the NFL film studies? I always learn something when I read his stuff. He's really good, and he shared an article um, talking about his comments. And he didn't like apply any like snark or anything. Just shared the article, and all about of the, the pedal re- mayor's comments. Yeah, okay. and all of the replies were like, "Oh, typical Mississippi, typical Mississippi." And I, uh, first of all, what you're watching around the country is not happening here. Number one, and two, everybody here thinks what he said is incredibly stupid. Like, like, I hate when people just, oh, that's just typical Mississippi. I'm surprised they even have internet. Like, how ignorant and stupid are you? It, and well, just to, It's just low-hanging fruit. Like, it's, it, like it's, but to your it's point, no one, fruit. no one agrees with what that guy no. said. Literally, no and one. it's, the, 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 what was it, the Board of Aldermen in that town were trying to find a way to limit his power and remove him from office. Like, even the people there in the small town where everybody's terrible in Mississippi think that that was a, a really stupid thing to say. But yet these idiots online, just, oh, typical Mississippi, as if the world's not burning around us. I, just how people can just finger point at a place where they've never been, they know nothing about. It's just, man, I, I've lived here for 10 years. And like, so I, I'm not from here, obviously, uh, but I was educated here. I met my wife and got married here and my son was born here. So I am very much attached to this state and that kind of stuff, seeing that just, it bothers me so bad because if only you actually knew what people here thought about that. Yeah, of course. And then, you know, just kind of into the broader scope of things, that was obviously kind of some of the local uh, kind of storylines from here, but just like, I don't know. I have a lot of the same thoughts on everyone. I do find it interesting that it's like you saw athletic directors and coaches across the country put out statements and I don't think that's a bad thing at all but I just like all of them kind of said the same thing and I just wonder what it actually cost to say something like that and just how the fact that us as people that somehow just like appeases everyone like the fact that you know Lincoln Riley or whoever puts out a statement that sounds eerily similar to Matt Painter at Purdue or I'm just throwing out random examples but they all say the same thing and it's not necessarily I don't think it's a bad thing obviously that they put it out but it almost got to the point where it like it felt like required and it was almost it was almost strange if an athletic department didn't i mean you kept seeing more and more come out keith carter put one out which again i'm like i have no problem with i read it thought it sounded good i just it, we've gotten to the point where it's almost become like a requirement and like one of the things i don't necessarily understand is like i see a lot of the, the like if you're silent or whatever like you're like you're it's basically bad not to say anything and i'm it's it's I don't know what I'm trying to say here. It's not like it's not saying anything. I just don't think it takes that much to put a bunch of platitudes on a note tap, take a screenshot, and put it on Twitter. Like, obviously, everyone has thoughts on it. Everyone knows that there's you know, racial inequalities. and the, We have a big policing problem in terms of how police deal with citizens um, for the most part. And obviously, there's definitely you – know, I mean, it, minorities are certainly treated differently by the police than others. But I just don't understand the whole, like, if you don't put something out on Twitter, then you just don't give a shit, which is not the case at all. Everyone, like myself included, was just kind of horrified by, one, the death, and two, everything that came after it. 
But the fact that you don't put anything on Twitter doesn't mean you don't give a shit because not everyone puts every thought of their lives on social media because, newsflash, Twitter is a big, fat waste of time. Yeah, and and you're now seeing people keeping score of what— That's exactly what it is. You, you simplified it there a little bit better than I thought, and that part of it bothers me because I think anyone that's generally a decent human knows that, like— I mean, kind of sees that and is, is, is struck by it and—, and you know, from the peaceful protest, I just I saw a couple of videos of Memphis on Friday night, and I retweeted one, and I saw a couple in Atlanta too. And I know there was a little bit of rioting and violence in both of them, but largely peaceful protests. I think that's pretty cool. And like for the like for two cities in the South like that, and probably more so Memphis than Atlanta, just from kind of uh, surface level uh, perusing of the news, to be able to keep it mostly peaceful was was pretty impressive, and honestly, a hell of a lot more empowering than seeing people running in and out of buildings to steal stuff and burn yeah. it down. But, you know, I, I, I'm not going to take an incredibly hard stance on, like, the rioting and the looting either. Not that I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but it happens, you know, in other types of forms. Like, people capitalize to loot and riot. I mean, it's not just having to do with, you know, police brutality and all that. So, like, I think it's a little hypocritical to, like, solely focus in on that while I don't necessarily agree with it. But anyway, I'm rambling. Well, that, I agree. No, that's, that's okay. Um, what what you're saying is is making a ton of sense, and it is very clear. I said it yesterday on the, the Sunday show. Um, it is very clear that there is a group or groups of bad actors that are doing things specifically to cause riots and violence and destruction uh, that are completely taking away and hijacking the message of the people that were, were protesting, like actually Absolutely. doing protests. It is very clear that there are— I don't see how you can't that, see that. But no one wants to admit anything because two sides are so pitted against each other. And, like, and now, multiple things can be you, true at once. And now you've got the debate— and. and I don't keep up with like the 24 hour news cycle all that much, but now it's like, oh, they're, they're right wing extremists. No, they're left wing extremists. It's like, guys, they, they're not right <laughs> or bad. They are just bad people. That's what they are. And, and they're doing things to incite destruction and violence. Man, the, the thing that happened in Nashville where there was a protest going on and then miles away, is like buildings got destroyed and, and set on fire and then the police got called and they responded immediately. And by the time they got there, everybody that was doing it was gone. Like that it's like it was organized and in destruction without a trace, basically it's, it's all, it's sketchy. And then yeah. you see the numbers out of Minneapolis. I saw one and it, this was just one nights of arrest because obviously this happened multiple nights, but I saw one from a local TV reporter there that said the governor, I believe, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure the, the mayor governor, of St. Paul, the mayor, if you're talking about the same thing I'm talking about. That said 80% of the arrests that they made the night before were from people out of state. Yeah. Some, 80% some percent of the people out in the – like that's I – mean, I don't know. I just think all that type of stuff – like I think it's kind of naive to not admit that some of this is organized. And the problem with it is it's not in the sense that like people kind of lose the forest for the trees in the sense that that actually takes away – from the people protesting and actually trying yep. to to have their voice heard and actually kind of enact conversation and change. And I know that sounds hollow, but it's true. It, no, it's absolutely true. They, they've completely hijacked uh, what the message was going to be and what the messages were. And, and to your point, when you don't have those kind of people acting the way they do, you get what happened in Memphis. Which yeah, was which was awesome. They're pretty poignant and powerful videos. I mean, I'm not big into like judging things off social media videos, but some of the reporters covering that, it, it looked a hell of a lot more powerful than a lot of the chaos elsewhere.
Yeah. It's just, it's sad, man. Watching this and and scrolling through this, and and I was flipping through Twitter last night, and it was just, it was simply just making me sad seeing it because there were, there are people that that are hurting and, and scared, and they have a very good reason to be. And now their message is being suppressed by images of fire and burning police cars and broken buildings and stuff like that. And it's been inspired, at least in part, by a group of opportunist bad actors that are just trying to create chaos. And at least it seems that people are starting to realize that. I saw uh, there was a guy in Pittsburgh, a 20-year-old, that has a warrant out for his arrest for for starting one of the riots in Pittsburgh. Uh, a twenty-year-old white kid, and the pictures of him are, are wearing the all-black, the the covered-up face, like you've seen with some of these images, and um, so the FBI is going after him, and maybe that will become more of a mainstream realization that uh, there are some really shitty people that did some really really shitty things. I agree. So that was just kind of some general thoughts on the weekend. I didn't want to get too off in the weeds on that. Yeah. But just I mean, it I don't feels, really have it feels crazy to not. Talk about it, you know. I mean, what- absolutely. But I just feel like I don't have as much pro. Like, what am I going to say from my perspective that like a thousand people already haven't said? You know, I did see. Uh, I saw. I saw an old. I know this is not new because just from looking at him, uh, I think it was a Chris Rock uh, bit that was like uh, one part of his comedy things, but it was talking about policing or whatever. And he talks about the whole few bad apples argument. And he was like, honestly, like, I don't know why this struck me more so than anything else I read or heard. But he was like, there's certain professions where you just can't have bad apples. And I feel like cops should be one of them. What if you just had a few bad apples uh, in the pilot and aviation industry? That would be a big problem. And I don't I don't know why that stuck with me more than anything else. But I found that to be so true. Yeah, uh, that and like medical doctors, like brain surgeons. You, you <laughs> yeah, can't have a bad. You don't need apple. some bad apples in that mix, which you know kind of underscores the problem. Some of it. it. It does. It absolutely does. And, and I mean, there were, and it's. I, I don't know how to say this without sounding uh, ignorant, but it, like it, you saw images of even after the reason why this started. I mean, police officers shooting rubber pellets at media. Uh, that CNN reporter that was got arrested, arrested doing a live shot got, got, got arrested during a live shot for absolutely nothing. Uh, it's it's a whole lot of bad. And um, what was it, Atlanta, where um, the the police chief fired two cops after she saw video? What was it, Friday night, Saturday morning? She fired two of them because of their gross mishandling of the situation. I didn't see that, but I, I, I don't. I saw a speech that the Atlanta mayor made that uh, I believe her name is Keisha Bottoms. That was really kind of powerful as well. And that, like, the, you also, you one of the things that I think that's kind of gone lost in this. It seems like the response to this in Minneapolis has not been handled well. To whereas other cities, despite there being violence and other things, like I thought Atlanta and its leadership, at least from the from the kind of sifting through some surface level news articles and stories and stuff handled it a lot better. And I think you kind of see the leadership in some cities handling it a hell of a lot better than others. And the source of it, that their response did not seem to be very, very good. Yeah. Like in Birmingham, I, I'm sure you saw the video of uh, AL.com reporters got attacked in Birmingham last night. Um, a guy, you see it on video. They were live streaming and one of their reporters got hit. Like guy ran up behind him and hit him in the back of the head with something. 
and and knocked him out. Um, and they had some issues last night. So uh, the mayor of Birmingham, uh, Randall Woodfin's his name, uh, said some remarks and mentioned that they have a, a curfew that starts at 7 p.m. And he said, you don't get a second chance. We're not playing. We will enforce the law. That's the mayor of Birmingham. Uh, so that's probably not going to happen again. So anyway, just uh, yeah, just kind of a rough heavy. rough weekend across the country uh, in a month that offered positivity on other fronts because like it's so strange how much crazy stuff has happened in 2020 because like like he almost forgot about the pandemic this week just because this kind of just took complete control of the news cycle and like it's kind of wild that we had a global pandemic that most like, that pretty much none of us have ever lived through anything like it and all of a sudden it just kind of gets pushed by the wayside for this it's been uh it's been a crazy year i think we still have seven six seven more months of this year which uh seems seems like a long time but anyway on the uh more on the news i mean the old miss news front uh you did have some drama in this state as well over the weekend uh on a far far less uh less important capacity in the sense that Fabian Lovett and Jerry and Jones, two former Mississippi State football players, defensive lineman Lovett and defensive back Jones, who had each Jones announced his intention to transfer for to Ole Miss. I think. I mean, and all if we're going to get technical here, all he did was put out a photo of him in a photoshopped Ole Miss uniform on last Saturday after it was been widely reported that he was transferring to Ole Miss. And then Fabian Lovett, who said he was going to enroll at Florida State, something fell through there, uh, kind of started kind of leaking out that he was going to be transferring to Ole Miss, ends up at Florida State, and then Jerry and Jones officially announces it this morning. Um, You know, there's a whole lot of difference between what you think and what you can actually verify and confirm here. But uh, I don't think they just all of a sudden got a second wind and said, hey, we're going to Florida State. Obviously, there's more uh, to that. I don't really uh, want to responsibly uh, get into all of that. But, uh, yeah, two guys – Basically, I'm just going to say Lane Kiffin got his first taste of this kind of childish rivalry. Yeah, possibly so. Um, probably doesn't uh, like that outcome. I I don't know how uh, what to think about it uh, other than... So Occam's Razor says that something happened, right? That these guys wanted to go to Ole Miss and for some reason uh, Ole Miss decided not to let that happen. So there was some kind of pressure applied from somewhere. That's pretty fair and understood, right? Yes. So if that pressure came from the SEC office, I understand why you move on. If that pressure came for some reason from the NCAA, I understand why you move on. If that pressure came from Mississippi State is mad, moving on doesn't make sense to me. Well, I think it's probably all a combination of all three. It's the pressure of the latter, but the impending potential pressure of the former to the SEC and the NCA. If you don't have all your ducks in a row, because Ole Miss really cannot afford to get popped again. I mean, there's a lot of money at stake, just your state of the program in general. Like, I don't know how to quantify it. What's the amount of TV money they get back if they stay Eight off? Eight million. And I think okay. it's at the well, end of this year, right? It, yeah, it's honestly probably more than that as well. Uh, I believe you're right on that. But it's honestly more than that as well because if you get in trouble again, it's not just the $8 million, It's the cost. Yeah. I mean, you saw the way the program went after the Hugh Freeze thing and into Matt Luke. There's a hell of a lot more financial cost than just the $8 million. So if you really don't have all your ducks in a row and you're not kind of all in on uh, – 
you know, making it appear that there was no nefariousness or tampering or whatever. I don't think either one of us is naive enough to believe that there wasn't some kind because that's just kind of I mean, I shouldn't say that the possibility of some because that's just kind of the way this game is played incredibly hard to prove. But if you don't have everything in a row, it's really not worth the risk because these two guys are good players and really would have helped. I mean, how they were, you know, love it. A lot of experience Jones played as a freshman, but uh, certainly not game changers in, in the sense that where it, it is it worth the risk. And I think Ole Miss essentially decided no. Yeah, and that was what we were saying as it was happening, is tampering and whatnot happens all the time, and as long as you have your tracks fully covered, then it's not really enforceable. So maybe they had a misstep along the way and were were afraid that that maybe have come out, so they decided to move on. That makes a ton of sense. Uh, Those are two players that would have helped them, though. I mean, those were guys that were, uh, don't get it twisted, were going to start. Uh, in the SEC at, at Mississippi State and are going to Florida State for a reason. I know Florida State's not been in a good way, but it, it's still Florida State. These guys can play. They're good players, um, albeit a little flaky, but they're still good players. Um, so it just it must have been – again, I, I tried to talk to a few people over the weekend. I had somebody um, tell me that Ole Miss just simply moved on without provocation, and I didn't buy that for a second. Uh, there's no way. Um, I, I just, I mean, they could tell me themselves. I still wouldn't believe it. Something led to them moving on. But, um, if it's as simple as they didn't want to bring on the trouble and they maybe didn't think they had their tracks fully covered, then I understand the move. Uh, but it's, it's certainly, uh, two guys that would have helped in, in positions of, of need and good football players, uh, and in typical egg bowl fashion, two really good players from the state leave the state and, uh, everybody loses. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's definitely true. <laughs> it also depends on who you ask and uh, what your actual. Yeah, there's uh, some celebration. I guess I understand why, because there were some some Ole Miss people, like especially on Twitter, which, as as you and I talk about all the time, should not be a gauge for anything at all. Um, but there were some people that did some chest thumping. And so they got it thrown back in their face. And I so I understand that. But you should uh, just. On the macro, you should not be happy that Ole Miss didn't get these players because you also don't get these players. And it is also a loss for you as well. Yeah, I mean, that, that pretty pretty good way to sum it up. So, you know, this would have helped them. Like, they really can't get it twisted there. But, uh, you know, Ole Miss decided, I guess, in some part, in a combination of probably some outside factors, that this was not uh, entirely worth the risk. So anyway, so that happened. That was, uh, I know that was kind of, uh, kind of, that went a lot more silently than I thought over the weekend, or maybe just I wasn't as plugged in as I needed to be, but, uh, no, it's because it was kind of expected, right? It, it was one of these slow moving, uh, news cycles where, what was it? Monday or Tuesday, it started trending in the other direction. And then you heard some things about Ole Miss moving on and, um, they deleted stuff off their social media and it just, it kind of unraveled a, a little bit periodically. So it wasn't like some shocking breaking news. And then on top of that, people are kind of distracted. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely the case as well. So I don't know. They both end up at Florida state Hell, by the end of the week. They may be back in Starkville. Who the hell knows? Uh, not exactly. doesn't sound like that's happening. No, I don't, but nothing would really shock me at this point just because of the uh, amount of twisted turns that the, both of those kids' paths took in a uh, 
in a pretty short period of time. It's kind of weird that they both were in going to the same place, then ended up at a different place, but it's the same because I don't think their, their, their actual stories were all that similar in the sense that people kind of, I alluded to this a little bit last week, but people kind of wanted to lump them uh, together in a sense. And I just, I don't think that the, their reasons for going and the path in which they approached uh, trying to transfer, I don't think they were all that similar. I think they had different reasons. And so yeah, uh, it's kind of interesting that they just end up in the same place. I don't know. Very, uh, very interesting story. This uh, probably won't be soon be forgotten, but at the end of the day, they will be playing in the ACC next year, as opposed to the Southeastern Conference. Uh, quick note, real quick: LB's Greg went, I think, two and two on his uh, UFC pick. So we are not a step closer, unfortunately, to buying a horse um, because we uh, we drew at five hundred over the weekend. Uh, the Abreu fight, I couldn't exactly understand what he was saying. He said, I think I'm taking the underdog, but it made it sound like he was taking he, – I don't know. He I, he kind of waffled on that one, but I think I have him at 2-2. Two and two. If not, it would be 3-1. and one. But uh, uh, you should go check him out. In addition to giving fire uh, picks, he also has the best place to get me to Mississippi, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Go check him out. Greg's awesome. I hope you threw something on the grill this weekend. I wish I would have. I did crawfish on Saturday instead with the uh, small group of people. But uh, it's grilling season. You need to go check him out. I got the uh, tri-tip sous vide the other weekend. It was fantastic. Some ribeye sausage. He's got the Swayze sausage. All kinds of specials. The Lane Train Keith Carter special. Eight and six ounce bacon wrap fillets. You know the deal. You know Greg at this point. Go check him out. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Elsewhere, outside of uh, Mississippi and uh, kind of the rest of the sporting world, the NBA is coming back. We don't really necessarily know what it's going to look like yet. It appears on Thursday we'll have some clarity of that. I believe they are voting on kind of a final format. Uh, but there appears to be a lot more unity in the sense that, like, like they're, they're kind of still – I don't know if arguing is the right word. They seem to be still sorting out what they want to do in terms of uh, in terms of who comes back, how many teams it is, will they do a round-robin tournament – all of that, but uh, there does seem to be a pretty good sense of unity that, hey, we're coming back. We just got to kind of figure some of this uh, shit out first in terms of how we're coming back. I don't think anyone's kind of vehemently opposed to any single one format. Um, Except for 30 teams. That's not happening. They're not bringing everybody back. No, but I think the more really like the realistic proposals on the table, while I imagine some franchises, depending on their playoff position, are uh, more uh, more favorable towards one plan versus another. I don't think there's any sort of overarching deal breaker for a franchise out there. There seems to be pretty good unity behind Adam Silver and them getting this done this week and coming back, which is, uh, which is good. But uh, it seems like they're targeting the end of the end of July, which seems like a long time because it's interesting. You're watching Europe, like Germany's already got the Bundesliga back. You're getting the English premier league uh, back like June 17th. It just kind of seems like we drug our feet over here a little bit. But, hey, if they're going to get it right and allow themselves more time to get everything right, then I'm not really going to crush them for that. Yeah, it does feel like they they did drag their feet some. But at least – and here's a conspiracy theory. um, They are – they were not wanting to rush back because they want to – start next season later and now they have a perfectly built-in excuse to do so i just think i i don't necessarily disagree with that but i just think i mean at this point hell if you started tomorrow you were gonna have to start the season later yeah 
if right. they said, hey, let's go to Orlando tomorrow and start the first round of the playoffs, just 16-team, seven-game series, even if you condense it, you're starting the season later. You just have to. Yeah, you do have to. Uh, I I wish I knew why they, they were taking so long. Uh, it, it doesn't – competing with football is going to be bad. I, I, I guess maybe they just – wanted to be so overly cautious and careful about testing. And, and I think now they're um, they're wanting and, and going to allow players to bring like immediate family, like wife and kids with them, which is a big uh, positive selling point to the players. And maybe they didn't feel comfortable doing that right now is that, hey, we've got to isolate you for a couple months, but we're comfortable with you bringing your family with you. And so maybe that's why they delayed it is now they feel comfortable enough to do that. I don't know. Either way, um, I, I do find it funny because I think it is funny that it is very clear that they're going to do whatever it takes to make sure Zion plays again. I, I, I mean, I, I think it's funny and partially because I am a fan, so I'm excited to, to see him and the team play. But there are people that are upset about it, and I understand why, because it it certainly felt like New Orleans was going to catch Memphis. I mean, New Orleans was 7-1 and one against Memphis, Portland, Sacramento, and San Antonio. The teams fighting for the 8 seed. They were 7-1 and one against them. They were playing their best ball. They had Memphis three more times. Memphis had the hardest schedule in the NBA. Like, that's kind of what it felt like was going to happen, but it hadn't happened yet. And they had a horrendous start to the season, played really bad basketball, lost games they shouldn't have lost, and so they were behind. And because the pandemic cut the season short, starting the playoffs with, with 16 teams and just doing it right away, I think would have been the most fair thing to do because the season should still matter to some degree. It, it would have been most fair. Like, nobody would have had a complaint. But there's no way they're doing that because they need um, this transcendent young star that obviously draws ratings uh, because that's all he did when he played in those 20 games after he came back was was draw ratings. Uh, they want him to play. They need him to play. And people are upset about that. And I, what what people need to realize is the NBA and, and the NFL and Major League Baseball, yes, it is putting a, a product on a field that is a fair competitive sport. But it is also a business. And so if you look at it from a business sense, what makes more sense? If you can find a way to get a cash cow to play, you're going to find a way to do it because at the end of the day, Adam Silver's job is to not put on a fair playoff. It's to make his owners as much money as he possibly can and then de facto make the players as much money as he possibly can. And the way to maximize the dollar in a shortened season is to make sure that kid plays. So maybe it's not fair and and people are upset because they're trying to find a way to get him to play, and that's not right because they were three and a half games back. But look at it from a business sense. On the business side of things, you need to find a way to get that kid to play because he's a ratings dynamite. He's dynamite for ratings. It just His games that he played in were like 80% higher than the average NBA game this year. People want to watch him, so they're going to find a way to make sure that he plays. That, that's just reality. It's a business, too. Yeah, I don't disagree. I just I think they're definitely trying to give him a chance, but I think they're also just trying to give teams that actually had within shouting distance a fair crack at making the playoffs as well. Because at the end of the day, in all likelihood, you're getting Zion in the NBA for the next decade and a half. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, hopefully if he doesn't have any injury. But yeah, I mean, if, 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 like I think he centers the like he centers the focus of getting the uh, some of like all of these other teams that are in the hunt a chance to make a push to actually get in the playoffs. Uh, I just I think I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world if New Orleans didn't end up making the playoffs because again he is a rookie and you're getting him for 13, 14, maybe even longer than that more years if he can stay healthy. But yeah, I agree. I think they definitely want to give him a chance. But I think you want to give anyone within a reasonable amount because I mean they did have what nineteen games left in the season. Anyone with a reasonable chance uh, to kind of make it. So I think just you know instead of you're not getting your t- true typical playoff chase, so just getting some sort of de facto uh, kind of I don't, it's not a regular season. I don't even know what you would call it at this point, but some kind of uh, kind of nut crunching time in terms of watching teams battle for playoff spots is something they just kind of want in general as well. So I don't know. We'll get some more clarity on that. Which idea week. do you want them to to take? So what is there? Four scenarios on the table. It's the group stage, which is my favorite. You've got the what is it? Twenty two teams bring them back and do a, a type of play in tournament. And I don't know what the other two are. I keep seeing people reference four scenarios. Maybe they're just going to like the other two or start with a, a 16 team playoff or something else. But which one would you prefer they do? I saw one where they they were going to bring back 22 teams. And I think it was like every team within like four or five games, something like that. There was some threshold to where like teams with this amount of games left historically have not been able to overcome the deficit in terms of amount of games back they are from the eight seed. So I think the one with 22 teams and you do some sort of play in tournament, I would be fine with that. You'd bring in everyone. Like, I think you would bring in the eight East teams and then let's see eight, eight. And then I think you would bring in Washington and then what is that? Uh, Portland, New Orleans, Sacramento, San Antonio, and Phoenix. So that would be the 22 teams. And do you play for the seven and eight spots or do you just play for the eight spots? Uh, I don't know what that looks like, but some kind of round robin tournament uh, to get in the either the last seed or the final two seeds uh, just to give them a chance. I, th- I would be fine with it. Just what if you did that a seven like? seed, like thing, what would a would play just, in tournament look like? I don't know. Some kind of round robin thing. Like you got to give advantage to the teams that already have the seating. I don't know what it looked like. I uh, I'm glad that's not my job, but uh, in terms group of group stage, gets a... man, give us the group stage. It's the easiest to execute. It makes the most sense. Just just give it to me. In terms of like the playoffs or like deciding who gets in the playoffs, the playoffs. Just give me the group stage. I think that would be so much fun. I I don't know, man. I I hate the first round of the NBA playoffs. I, this would just eliminate that completely give it to me yeah i would actually i mean it would be an interesting concept to see i think they're just worried about legitimacy of this season in general so they want to try to make it as true of a champion as possible so i think they're going to try to at all costs to stick with the 777 format but i don't know could you do like a makeshift version of that for the round robin to, to get in the playoffs like could you test out this group stage team amongst the teams that are fighting for playoff spots whatever you deem that to be uh, just if you do the seven and eight seeds, you're kind of screwing Dallas because Dallas is 13 games above 500, yet just happens to sit in the seven seed. Where uh, you know the Grizzlies are 32 and 33. Like you're, you're, one team is at a significant dif- disadvantage with that. But I just wonder if you could do some sort of makeshift group stage type thing or pool play or route whatever you want to make it from the teams trying to get in. That way, you just kind of reward the teams that were kind of com- comfortably entrenched in playoff spots. Yeah, especially Dallas is who I, I 
If I were Mark Cuban, and he hasn't done this yet, he actually seems to be in favor of either format. I mean, I've seen a couple of interviews now where he's been asked about the um, the the group stage format, and he said he liked it, and he's been asked about the play-in tournament, and he's fine with it. But if I were him, I'd be pissed at the idea that uh, his team might have to play in for a spot to the playoffs when they're closer to the three than they are the eight. I mean, off so bad. What are you talking about? I need to play my way in to the playoffs when my team has played and is significantly better than everybody behind me, but I have to go beat them to just give myself a right to play in the playoffs? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, I wouldn't be wild about that idea if I were him uh, either, but he does seem kind of like whatever with it. Maybe he's They're closer to the two seed than they are the eight. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, I wouldn't be They're wild about that. They're closer to the two seed than the eight. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily be wild about that idea either. But he also, there's probably a part of him that knows he's a lot better than the rest of those teams below him. So it wasn't probably, it wouldn't be too much of an issue. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. But at the same time, it's going to be kind of a crapshoot coming back in terms of the quality of games, what these games look like. It, it is going to be a bit of a uh, a mixed bag in terms of quality of play and like I don't know, like I don't I, like in a season that where they're worried about legitimacy. I, I think they're going to steer clear of like to getting too gimmicky. But well, I don't know why not try this out next year. Like why not seriously? Like I, I'm not opposed to the 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 uh, group stage idea at all. I just think it's a bad bad plan to start it this year in a year where you're playing at a neutral site and you're worried about how this champion is viewed uh, in the long term. But uh, I wouldn't be opposed to it. They said 2021 season, we're going to try the group stage thing. Whatever, bring it on. It's fine with me. Yeah, I won't want them to do it right now just because I love the idea. But it, that certainly makes sense. They are going to battle legitimacy, uh, unless the Lakers win, in which ESPN will call it legit no matter what. But if anybody else does, uh, only. I, I don't. Or I wonder if they will have to fight that perception no matter what happens, though. Yeah, to some degree. But as we talked about last week, and I also think it matters who wins. Like, if there was ever a year where chalk would hold and you could get, like, a Lakers uh, Bucks or Clippers Bucks or, you know, something like that finals, I think that would speak more to the legitimacy of it. And as we talked about, it might even be harder just because they didn't get home court advantage or all. To whereas if you have, like, a Philadelphia or a Houston come in at a neutral site and get to the finals and win it, it's kind of like, yeah, were they actually going to the best team in the NBA? No. But so I think if there was every year where they would want chalk to hold, which it does most of the time in the NBA anyway, this would, uh, this would be the year he would want that to happen as you try to kind of fight this legitimacy issue. Yeah, I I agree there. I I want Milwaukee to just whatever format they choose. I want Milwaukee to win because as a fan of a small market is going to in five years have to fight to keep their transcendent small market. I want there to be precedent that a big star can stay and compete. And if he just picks up and goes to Golden State, there's no hope. There's no hope for Zion. There's no hope for John Morant sticking around around here. I mean, it just, I want to see a big star and a small market stay in that small market because they're building rosters around him that you can win championships with. It's not like he has to go to Golden State to win a title. 
He can do one where he is. And it, it, all they need to do is get one more player, and they're, like, unstoppable. They already have the best record in the East, but, like, and they, they have a legit chance at winning a, a championship this year. But if he can get one more player to join that team, who's beating them? Yeah, and it's something the NBA is conscious of because it's something they tried to fix with the Supermax thing, but they all it all, it actually worked in the uh, it worked against them. They they gave the Supermax team where the team that has that player can offer him an additional year and more money than any other suitor in free agency could. But now with all this player mobility stuff that's come up since LeBron left to go to Cleveland, that actually worked against them and incentivized these guys to leave more because they didn't want to be locked in to the fifth year because the money's already so great anyway for a got for free agents of that caliber. It actually didn't help. So I think it's something the NBA is cognizant of, but I agree Milwaukee winning and Giannis resigning, I think would be a good thing for the NBA just because if you have him go to golden state, it's kind of like, what are you even doing in Memphis and Oklahoma city and Orlando and Memphis and Charlotte and whatever? Like you don't really have a hope. You got to draft right. And you got to win one within the first five, six years or that dude is uh that dude is out of there. So I agree with that. Uh, another brewing story that we kind of talked about last week, uh, and that's what we'll kind of finish up with today, is Major League Baseball. The Major League Baseball Players Association submitted a counter proposal last night uh, to the owners that included a 114 game season, 100 million of revenue to be split, or 100 million dollars to be split amongst players during this spring training 2.0 type of thing. Um, but mostly here is it, it would have the season go from June 30th to October 31st and with a playoff after that. And then like some additional, there's no way in hell they can start at June 30th though. Right. I mean, like they would have to report to camp tomorrow. I mean, yeah, let's just say in theory, that's probably a little ambitious, but you can maybe swing July 4th. Cause I just think they've already had 80% of their spring training, like in terms of just like, figuring out your roster, who's going to contribute to your club this year and who is not. They've already got most of that figured out. It's just kind of getting the players back loose and back in shape, which I think you could do in two weeks. Maybe that's ambitious. Maybe I'm being naive, but I think you could do that. So if they get something done this week, I don't think that's completely far-fetched, um, but it probably is a little ambitious. But I think if they really wanted it to happen and they agreed to this, say, tomorrow, June 3rd, you got 28 days to make that happen. I think you could because it's not like the NFL – excuse me. It's not like the NBA where you're having to build this campus-like atmosphere and get everything in place for that. You're playing in your own stadiums just with no fans, and like they could get the schedule done pretty quickly. I think it's a little bit of a shorter process than what the NBA has in front of them. But a couple other things in this proposal – is expanded playoffs for two years, goes from 10 to 14 teams, additional commitment to players wearing microphones on the fields and other broadcast enhancements. That kind of seems to me to be like the players kind of conceding something there because I can't imagine they'd be terribly wild about being mic'd up. Offer to hold events such as an off-season all-star game or home run derby to generate additional revenue. So this is kind of fascinating to me because like, this seems like a very reasonable proposal from the players that the owners are going to reject because the more games they play this year, the more money they're going to lose. The owners want an 82 game season to minimize the amount of money they're going to lose because they're not going to have fans in the stands and major league baseball relies on ticket like at the gate 
uh, money more so than most other than the other two major professional sports as well. But to me, this kind of just furthers my theory. If the owners reject this and they don't get anything done, I just I don't understand how anyone can side with the owners. And I think this whole players are going to get the brunt of the blame narrative is overrated because you can see one side acting in good faith uh, here and the other side saying we don't really want to negotiate because we have the leverage. I just I don't I don't see how the owners come out of this looking good, but other than the kind of veil of uh, am, am, I was about to say being anonymous owners just because you don't see them every day and you don't they're not the ones on television and they're not the stars. So like like outside of that, I just don't see how you can side with the owners here. I still think that narrative is overplayed. The players are gonna be seen as the villains at the end of this. Um they won't they won't receive the brunt of it anymore, but they will all lose, and that's what's gonna happen here. I don't think they're getting a deal done. I think it's. Uh, I don't. I don't think you're getting baseball this year. I think actually submitting a counter proposal is an important step, and I've been cautiously optimistic about it the whole time. So I'll stick with that. But it, I did have growing doubt about it last week. But I mean, if you go past this week, then it's kind of like, okay, what the hell are you doing? And it is kind of disturbing in the sense that from a baseball fan's perspective, that there are a faction of owners that are just cool with canning this season and kind of mitigating losses. I don't think that's great. I still just, for whatever reason, believe at the end of the day, these guys are smart for a reason. The billionaires are smart. They got to where they are in life for a reason. The players know, and the players are not dumb either, and they know the long-term ramifications it will have on the sport without having a season. So I think you're just going to, I hope, you're going to get to the point where everybody's sitting there going, okay, we're going to lose money. This is not going to be a good deal for any of us, but we have to play to kind of protect the future of the game, which kind of sounds cliched and hollow, but I think it's true. I just think at the end of the day, long-term logic will prevail as uh, even with the animosity on each side in, in terms of actually getting a deal done and fighting over money. I just still believe at the end of the day, they're going to look at this and say, we've got to do something. Otherwise the future of the sport is toast. As long as every owner actually wants the season to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think I still think a season can happen even if some owners don't want it to be. Because I'm not even sure if it's as much of like, hey, we don't wa- actively don't want a season to happen as much as it is like, eh, if it doesn't happen, cool, mitigate some losses. Uh, Buster like only a had a, uh, a column yesterday uh, where he said that uh, – um, there is a group of owners that are perfectly willing to shut down the season. Um, I'm trying to find the direct quote. It's a long column. He's a good writer. Baseball has really good writers. Um, I wish I cared about the sport more. I'd read them more. But just I, I like I read him and Jeff Passan and the the guys that cover uh, baseball for the Athletic, and I, I think that they they write better and like format their articles and stuff uh, way better than the other sports do. Yeah, baseball definitely has a strong media contingency, but that also, I think, just stems from baseball is kind of a a print-friendly sport in terms of you're there every – like from a beat writer perspective, you're there every day. There's a lot more information to be consumed on a daily basis. I think it just works more uh, as far as print media than some of the other sports. But I can't find the quote, but basically he he said um, what we talked about a little bit last week is that there are owners – okay, here we go. Maybe this is it – Owners already damaged by the money losses this year could be more inclined to dig in and wait for the players aiming for a lasting reconstruction. Oh, that's not what I was looking for. Sorry. Uh, but he did say that there is a group of owners that um, 
that don't care about the season actually being played. Yeah, I just think I think it's more indifference than like like I yeah, that's not I, caring indifference. Same thing. Yeah, exactly. I think it's just like okay, if this doesn't get done, whatever, we won't have a season. As opposed to hey, let's shut this thing down. Because uh, I think if it were the latter, then you'd stand no chance. To whereas the former, it leaves the opportunity for the maybe they'll compromise a little, or maybe the players will just take this really shitty deal and uh, and they aren't remembered as kind of heroes if they actually take this uh, original crappy proposed deal or some variation of it and have this season and kind of save the long term future of the sport. Then uh, the shame on us because I I just don't understand like how you can have any sort of information on this matter and be like yeah. Owners are in the right here. I, I don't. I don't get that line of thought at all. I don't either. I just, um, man. I, I hope they get it done because I really actually want to watch baseball. I just. I, I am going to share your optimism. You talked me into it. I just going into this. I, and after what I read over the weekend, I just. I do not think and cannot think a deal is going to get done. They just seem so far apart. I agree. It's just like I haven't been alive for a ton of lockouts in my lifetime. You know, NBA had one, NFL, what, I think had one or got closed. I don't remember. But you've seen a couple of these. And at the end of the day, they seem very, very far apart. There's a lot of animosity. Baseball kind of personifies that just because the mistrust amongst the players and the owners is greater than any other sport. But at the end of the day, everyone kind of looks up and says, oh, if we don't have a season, this is going to hurt us more long term. And I think that's what's going to happen here. This just seems to be a more extreme version of it. But, um, you know, I'm perfectly willing to acknowledge I could be wrong. Like, I don't feel certain about this at all. It's almost wishful. That's not wishful thinking. It's it's just cautious optimism um, because it wouldn't stun me either way if they actually screw this up because baseball not exactly always on top of things in terms of self-awareness and kind of gauging where where the actual important stuff lies with regards to the future of their sport and kind of a next generation of fans. But uh, I, I hope they get it right. I really do. So anyway, that's uh, do we have anything else today? Do we miss any other stories? There was so much going on over the weekend that I was like writing down what we should talk about today. And I was like, I could have missed five things and just just have been willfully ignorant to it. Did I did we miss anything big? Um, I don't think so. Uh, a funny story about Lenny Dykstra's reputation being so bad that it's legally impossible to libel him. Wow, how does uh, how does one arrive at that point? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I disagree. That's a, uh, that's a hell of a place to be. Where did this come from? I think he fought, he filed a liable suit, and the, that's what the judge ruled was basically like, dude, you can't be liable. It's not possible. So, so could Pete Rose be liable? Because by this argument, I would think, hell no. I would guess not. I guess it hasn't been challenged yet, but if it does, this kind of sets precedent for talking uh, shit about baseball players. Yeah, it's just uh, Lenny Dykstra is as the trump card just because he's done some time in the slammer, and to my knowledge, Pete Rose is not. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So the- I, I have not heard this yet. I, I did not see this story. That's, uh, I, I just, uh, like, how, I mean, is that just the ultimate, like, the, should he wear a scarlet A for asshole all the time now? Like, <laughs> <laughs> they make him do that in public. How do you arrive at that to where just <laughs> you're such a, you're so bad you're such a bad human in general that uh, you can't actually be libeled or slandered? That's uh, I, I can't wrap my my mind around that. That is pretty nuts. That is nuts. There's also um, so I guess it's not this weekend. It's a weekend after when the PGA Tour returns and yeah, Fort it, Worth. It, it has every player in the top five and seven of the top ten 
and 15 of the top 20 in the field. I think that's going to be a great, uh, I mean, chalker here, profound statement. That's going to be a hell of a weekend for golf, particularly if you can get a good tournament that has some dramatic, like some drama on Sunday. Because, like, when you get back and these dudes are actually, uh, this sounds uh, so golf traditionalist, but these dudes are actually wearing pants again and in the grind of like a stroke play tournament, like as entertaining and fun as the, uh, as there's as the 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 match 2.0 and the charity thing that Rory and DJ and Ricky and Wolf did as as good as that was I think when you actually get these guys playing for a ton of money that they're going to pocket again in the grind of that competition and it looks like a normal tour event again if you can particularly if you can get a dramatic finish down the stretch uh, I think people are going to eat that up I think so too I mean what, what a field too to start nothing Exactly. So I think this is going to be great for golf. I mean, you've got all, you've got baseball having no idea if and when they're actually going to come back. You've got the NBA, uh, albeit wanting to come back, but looking at the end of July, golf's kind of got six weeks here where they can really kind of make a move on things. Golf's never going to be mainstream. I'm not saying all, anything like that, but uh, this is going to be a good if they can do this successfully and safely and produce some good quality tournaments. Because the one thing you know about the PGA Tour is the quality of play is never going to be crappy. If you're in contention in a hundred man field on the PGA Tour on the weekend, you're playing the best golf of anyone in the world. So the quality, it's not like the other sports where the quality of play is going to be crappy. If you can get some dramatic finishes and some good fields, this has potential to be really awesome for the tour. And I think for you know four or five weeks until we kind of get back to normal with some of these team sports, uh, this is going to be a good couple of weeks for golf, which I'm excited about. Yeah, it'll never be mainstream, but it will for a while. And that's a really big deal. Just by default. By default. So that's a... Uh, that's good because uh, you know I, I enjoy golf, so that's uh, that is always nice. Outside of that, I think that was about that Probably was about it. it from the weekend. Uh, it was certainly not uh, not uneventful, which is a double negative, but you get what I'm trying to say. Just a uh, just a weird weekend and a weekend to where I kind of kept up with the news uh, to some degree, but found myself on you know for a large part of Saturday and Sunday just kind of like I played golf yesterday did crawfish on Saturday, just really kind of making a point to just kind of take a break from constantly following this all. Cause it sounds weird to say it, but looking through the news cycle constantly and just looking at everything is exhausting and depressing. Yeah. I, um, I would recommend avoiding it, especially now uh, after what has transpired. So, um, yeah, we need sports back, man, just to give us something, something positive. We got that rocket launch on Saturday. That was pretty cool. That was cool. Uh, shout out to Elon Musk and all of that for uh, for the, that coming through. Uh, so that was nice. But it's it's that's what's crazy is in you know I didn't you know I haven't lived through have we lived through any rocket launches? When was the last time we did one here? Were um, we alive? Wasn't wasn't that long ago? That USA that the USA did without assistance from Russia or whatever. Yeah, I think it's been it, a it was in our lifetime. Um, okay. But normally those are a big deal and it's kind of like a, a pretty nice like kind of rallying point for the country and everyone's like, great, US is you know, beat your chest again. But man, and I understand why it happened, but you talk about just getting swept under the rug in terms of news coverage. <laughs> just got a blip on the radar, basically. And I get why, because you had, you know, all kinds of stuff going on across the country surrounding the murder of George Floyd. But uh just kind of crazy that something like that happens and kind of no one really batted an eye. It's almost like the UFO thing where the, 
you know, the government was like, hey, look, aliens. Everyone's like, we got enough shit going on right now. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to find where uh, NASA launched its last rocket. Um, hmm. 2011? Space shuttle 2011. Okay. Did it have people in it? Um, yeah. Huh. I thought I saw somewhere it was the first time. In a, it doesn't matter. It, it was cool regardless. I thought it had been a lot longer since we did that. Um, but anyway, yeah. Well, congrats. That was the the first time in a long time that we've uh, sent a rocket to the International Space Station. Maybe that was okay. it. Okay. Nice. So congrats to Elon Musk and his uh, toy rockets. That's pretty sweet. So uh anyway that's about all we have from the weekend eventful monday show i think wednesday i might have andrew stevens on i was catching up with him over the weekend maybe talk some ball hang out for a little bit see what's going on down in uh, baton rouge and athens but uh that's about it remind you one more time to go check out lb's university avenue across from kroger uh greg the meat sharp is at uh at it and cooking all the time over there he's got all kinds of steaks custom cut sausages ribeye sausage swayze sausage absolutely uh, delect, delightful, I should say. Uh, but grill packs, all kinds of stuff. You need to go check him out. Uh, we love LBs on this podcast. Everyone in Oxford loves LBs. Lucky to have it. If you're in the area, you got to go check him out. It's better than any other place you'll get meat. Borky and I will be on the radio, Sports Talk Mississippi, 3 to 6 p.m., uh, Monday through Friday this week. And we will be back at it on Wednesday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.